This is episode 10 of Pattern Studies Radio. So, uh, recording, recording voiceovers for my podcast. <laughs> and probably looking like a totally crazy person in the process. Just like talking about Hello. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, cool, man. Well, hey, thanks for finding some time to talk with me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for, uh, inviting me, inviting me on. Do you remember the first time you had a thought like, oh, music is going to be a big part of my life now? Uh, or sound, maybe, more generally? Huh. There was, like, a few, like, in terms of, like, formative... Uh, musical experiences or like formative experiences like interacting with sound rather than um, uh, like experiencing it passively yeah I remember uh, let's see I had this old boombox I was I must have been like 12 or 13 or something and um, I used to you know make mixtapes and stuff as you do and I was listening to I remember it was the same song on two tapes that were playing on both both decks of the boombox, and uh, one of them was like a, a lot more well played than than the other one of the tapes was, and uh, it must have been like a I think it was like an Alanis Morissette song or something. It was on like jagged <laughs> jagged little pill maybe, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, one of them was just a little bit more stretched out than the other, and I remember listening to both of them at the same time. I don't even remember why I put it on that way, but uh, they slowly got out of phase over the course of the three and a half minutes. And uh, I remember there was just this moment of like, uh, like appreciation or curiosity or whatever. It was kind of just this whoa yeah. moment about like, yeah. about like, whoa, you can do that. Sound can do that. Nice. Uh, Were you playing an instrument at that point? I was maybe messing around with guitar, but uh, yeah, I think I was like messing around with guitar, but not in any kind of concerted way. I was like, not even like, not even like learning songs. If I had been trying to learn songs at that point, I think I was maybe like Green Day songs and stuff, but. Sure. So guitar was the first instrument for you? Yeah. Yeah. Guitar was the first one that I picked up and kind of like the main, the main one that really is that true? I don't know. It's been a, it's been a while playing music at this point, but yeah, yeah, guitar, yeah. First, first, like instrumental experiences were with guitar, and um, took a long time to, to stick. Uh, and I never really went through, like the typical guitar phases that the typical phases of like of like learning songs in your bedroom and learning other guitarist solos and things like that. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe I was just ADD, maybe it was just got bored easily or what, but... You were writing your own songs? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I started playing in bands in high school, mostly just like really loud, kind of intentionally shitty, uh, <laughs> kind of, I guess you would call it punk rock. Um, but more in spirit than than in style. I guess sometimes in style. That's right. Uh, one of those <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was. Yeah, one, that was one of the main ones. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, our whole thing was just to be as loud and obnoxious as possible. Uh, and we were really focused in that endeavor. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was fun times. It was, um, uh, nobody ever got hurt too badly, which was good. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we just kind of played like uh, whatever whatever venues were around in the place where we were, where we were growing up. And um, that amounted to, like, teen centers and community centers. There weren't really any, like, or we didn't really uh, have a lot of access to the, like, actual, like, punk venues across the bridge. So, yeah, I don't know. We played maybe, like, 10 or 10 or 15 shows total. Got banned from a couple of the venues that we played, I think, uh, just for making a mess, you know? Just, like, there would be, like, bags of flour everywhere, or we would bring out, like, um fire extinguishers or that's right we had like a fire safety awareness themed show and uh that's responsible yeah 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 no um, <laughs> uh but yeah we had this fire hose that was it wasn't hooked up to anything it was just it was just flat it was you know it was empty but um the ends of those things are very uh heavy and uh made out of metal and that made its way into the pit at one point and people were getting wrapped up in it and kind of bonked on the head with it and and you know like i said nobody got seriously hurt it was all kind of good clean fun but yeah those are some of my first experiences really playing music in a in a in a concerted way i guess <laughs> uh when did jazz come into the picture for you i feel like you're a person who hails from a jazz background and uh i don't know the specifics of that it was more of an appreciation thing than or is an appreciation thing first and a uh and a playing thing second um i would never uh i would never call myself like a jazz player um i mean like i have a copy of the real book but um i can play roughly zero songs in it <laughs> i spent a yeah i spent a couple years in like a in like a jazz based uh undergrad program loosely jazz based undergrad program i spent a couple years there preparing to drop out and uh then once I was ready to drop out, I went ahead and did that. <laughs> yeah, that was in Boston. What, uh, what brought you to that, do you think? I was working in advertising at the time, actually, in San Francisco as a, uh, as a web developer. And uh, I was like making beats on the computer at home and kind of putting them on the internet and stuff. This was like just as the MP3 codec was being developed, I think, which makes me feel a little old. But <laughs> um, so this was like well before uh, like SoundCloud or Bandcamp or anything like that. I don't know. I was like making beats at home and, and doing that thing and kind of sort of still playing in bands, but it became more of like a studio experimental kind of thing and um i was working this day job and it was uh you know it wasn't my favorite thing in the whole world <laughs> and i was just kind of like going like okay well like what's next i don't know and, and uh finally i was like well i'll try school out and, and see how that goes and uh yep. school was cool for yeah. um for a little bit I stuck around and did all of the like, all of the uh, like basic stuff, and I did okay at some of it. And harmony, 
harmony was never really my strong suit over there uh i remember they had like four this is berkeley college of music um which please nobody go there i don't recommend it <laughs> um you mean so uh, part writing sort of stuff yeah it was like uh there was some of that that was they had a ranging class which was like that was like writing um writing for horn sections and uh and stuff like that and harmony one through four it was like uh once you got to harmony three it was like it was like jazz scales and and like which scale goes with goes with which chord in which context and so it was a lot of like just real memorization of like mixolydian flat nine flat 13 and then this one is mixolydian flat 13 and then this one is mixolydian flat nine and then this one is da 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 is that stuff you come back to today? No, not even. Uh, <laughs> I kind of went like sharply in the other direction after I after I left school and like went into this kind of strictly like electroacoustic improvisation thing for like five or six years or something. Was that when the Hey Exit project started, or was that earlier? Yeah, yeah, that was like a solo guitar thing, and I guess the early stuff was still pretty noty, but it was. Um, a lot more influenced by the ambient music, or at least the noty part was. And uh, over time, that became a really, that project became a really um, sharp, percussive kind of sound. And it kind of became more of a live thing than a recorded thing. And I never really, that phase of it, I'm still doing it, and it's kind of my main thing at this point, but um, this was like a, one or two incarnations of it ago. Yeah, I remember that phase. I never really translated the live stuff into a studio context. I took a couple swipes at it, but um, but it never really had that same uh, immediacy, anxiety, tension. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the live setup? Like, how that's evolved? At the time, it was basically... Uh, I would just tell people I played guitar, and, and that was pretty much true. <laughs> um, like, I was playing a guitar, but it also had, like, yeah, it also had, like, some contact mics hooked up to it, and, and um, there were a couple, there was, like, a few inputs that went into this mixer, and then um, there were a couple, there was also, like, a little bit of mixer feedback going on there, but it wasn't so much, like, a kind of noise thing it was more just like putting the output into the input and then turning it up just a little bit to um to just make the whole signal a little bit more hot oh, and okay. uh and a little bit more distorted so it was basically the guitar going into a mixer and then the mixer going through like a couple pedals uh and then and then out to the pa or the or the guitar amp or whatever they had at the venue but yeah, the the main focus, I guess, or one of the main focuses at that point was um, amplifying the whole instrument and um, getting the sounds of just really minute physical movements and uh, getting the sounds of, of, of the rest of the instrument in addition to just the strings. Yeah, I got pretty deep with that uh, for, for a while, and some of that stuff I still carry with me just because it got so deep into my ears i still play guitar but apart from that um the actual like signal flow and stuff looks pretty different at this point do you think maybe some of that percussive approach to the guitar came out of playing koto or was koto later koto started around the same time i think i took my first lessons yeah i took my first lessons in boston um started playing there and found another teacher in California 
uh, when I moved there and then moved to New York and found another teacher here. I'm not, I haven't been studying for the past few years. I've been a bit of a slouch in that, uh, in that area of, of music, but. I feel like you've also been using it in your solo work uh, and with Andrew too, Tethers. Yeah, yeah, here and there. Yeah, there was the Tethers thing and, and that was cool. We did one or two shows last time he was in, um, last time he was in New York and it ended up just being a guitar, guitar duo thing. Yeah, I don't know. We still talk about we still talk about what the next uh, what the next tethers thing is going to be. It'll probably be pretty different from from the first two. Those were also those were also really improv based records. Yeah. So there's two tapes so far. Are they from the same sessions? The first one was called Yeah We Get Along, and that was from uh, 2011, and that was recorded over like a weekend, maybe. We just did like a couple few like five-hour sessions or something, as I recall, and and took the best cuts from those and made it into a tape. Um, and then the second one was from a few years later. That was called uh, We Walked There. And that was, uh, let's see, no, that was 2011. The first one was 2010. Um, that one was recorded kind of around San Francisco and the East Bay and, and the North Bay, uh, in a bunch of different places, we just brought some mics around, like various parks, and we recorded some in some of the uh, bunkers in the Marin Headlands, and um, recorded some at his place, and uh, just kind of all around. Yeah, that one had a that one was a little bit more mature than uh, the like the sound had matured a little bit at that point. Um, I don't know. We'll see what the next one looks like. Uh, ester chlorine and it breaks. Can you talk about those a little bit? Uh, yeah, Esther Chlorine. That was with uh, that was with uh, Greg. Greg. Uh, I still like to call him Greg Garbage. That was the name that he that he used to go by. Now he uses his real name, Greg Gorlin, um, and uh, of uh, Black Thread, uh, Vibrating Garbage. Um, he runs Turmeric Magnitudes and Cascading Fragments. Um, a couple kind of elusive labels out of San Francisco, and uh, he plays tapes and tapes and I guess you would say electronics, but I feel like. Um, with with Esther, it was mainly like tapes and some contact mics and stuff, and that was a really that was a, a really like electroacoustic kind of improv based project. And there was a recording component too, and the recording was um, was kind of a different vibe. It was this like murky um, kind of uh, uh, introverted uh, spare kind of slow moving like. Uh, kind of kind of vibe we did a couple tapes one came out on donkey disc in um, north carolina and then i put the other one out on uh of plants you know again the recording stuff was cool but i think the live thing was really where it was at with that project and um the live thing was really uh that's probably some of the best like i was using the the setup that i described a few minutes ago with the, with the mixer and everything oh okay and that was probably like the the height of that like phase of my like musical endeavors i think that was that was probably like the tightest that 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 percussive guitar stuff uh got for me personally um uh we did a couple east coast tours i think and i don't know the first couple times it was like it was like one of those um routing my signal into his setup and then his setup goes to the pa kind of things and then eventually we um we ditched that and we just both went into the pa yeah, it was really good. It was really, it was really um, just jumpy and like a fast, slow and a loud, quiet kind of contrasty thing, which is uh, 
contrast has always been a, a, an element of music that I have been really heavily interested in and that I, uh, um, work with a lot. So, so yeah, that was always really fun. And, uh, it's been kind of on a break for the past year or so. We'll probably get back to it some, at some point. What's the other one? It breaks. It breaks. That was, um, uh, that was with a couple of New York guys. That was David Grohman and Lucio Menegon. And, um, Lucio plays guitar. I played guitar, same setup. And, uh, and David plays, uh, snare drum. That was kind of the focus of that one was just really fast, short, uh, kind of noise blast pieces with, um, uh, with instruments. So it was kind of like, uh, it was kind of more focused on like, like rooted in, I would say like in the tradition of noise music than in the tradition of improvisation. Um, if you want to split hairs, but, uh, that was a, that was a really good one. We, we just did a quick tour tape and, uh, and did an East coast tour and, and, uh, yeah, that was just a lot of fun. We came back and did, uh, I remember like we did a couple, a couple, uh, New York shows at the end of that tour and, we were we were like pretty tour tight at that point. We'd been out for I don't know just a couple of weeks, um, but playing every night. The last set was like uh, it ended up just being like one long continuous, like twenty or thirty minute thing. And I remember Lucio kind of yelling in the in the in the middle of the set. He was like, "This used to be a band that played short songs." <laughs> What's well, bound to happen, I suppose. Yeah, bound to happen. That one got kind of. Um, that that band started to get kind of a little violent by the end of by the end of the tour. It was like, um, uh, which was not quite so venue appropriate for some of the places we were at. We were playing like uh, we were doing like a gallery basement warehouse circuit. I remember there was one show where someone almost got hit in the head by like a flying cymbal, uh, drum cymbal. Like I think it was like a splash cymbal. So it wasn't like too big, but nothing you want to get. Um, hit by like frisbee style for sure so the current approach as far as solo live stuff goes uh, it sounded like it came after the estrochlorine it breaks kind of thing yeah there was like a um there was kind of a there was kind of a break in between those two things where I uh, just kind of hit the reset button, um, like aesthetic, not just aesthetically, but um, <clears throat> I don't know, just in terms of like what the musical focus was. You know, you play you play the same kind of music for for long enough, and if it is like a, a tactile, like kind of instrumental music, then it kind of gets stuck in your fingers, you know, and it becomes. Um, it becomes there's a, like a habitual component to it, and um, I had kind of gotten into a bit of like a creative rut with that like percussive guitar stuff, and I was like, uh, it got to the point where it was kind of like mm, the music was kind of a little bit more introverted than I than I wanted, and it was kind of like about this this really um, I don't know it was just a really anxious sound that wasn't really um, it just wasn't really what I was after, after after a little while. So, so there was like a year or two of, of kind of like I guess I played a couple shows here and there, but yeah, there was a year or two of like of like kind of just being quiet and and um, playing a little bit, but 
yeah, just kind of hitting the reset and figuring out what I wanted to do and uh, came back to it around the summertime during the End Times Festival, actually, uh, which is uh, run by Bob Bellaru here in New York. And it's been at Silent Barn and a couple other spots in the past few years. But End Times is probably far and away, I think, like the, the biggest um, like noise festival in, in the States, as far as I know. Um, so good, so good. Like three, five days of, of these like uh, six or seven hour shows of all of these like 10, 15 minute sets. So it's just like bam, 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 bam. And um, it's like really like pretty brutal, uh, pretty brutal music too. Uh, but yeah, I remember going to the first, um, it was like the first night of, uh, of that festival this year in 2015. And, um, yeah, it was just a really inspiring moment. It was, um, it was, uh, uh, for whatever reason, it was just like the right, the right sound at the right time for me. And, um, went home that night and, uh, spent like a few hours, um, doing a, I didn't really expect anything to, to come of it, but that session ended up turning into the cassette else, uh, E L S E that was, um, uh, that was one of the first cassettes. That was the first cassette that I put out this year that kind of popped the seal on this, um, uh, broke the seal on this, uh, uh, on this like current phase of, of music, which was, uh, really, really welcomed. It's, uh, you know, when you identify as a, a as a musician, it's hard to have a it's hard to have a, a silent period. So it was really really nice when that um, when the the floodgates kind of opened again and it became suddenly easier to record and to write and to just you know be expressive and to be a musician in the world again. like workflow goes has this uh, like it seems like this new face has um, I haven't seen the live version of it yet so that's probably my bias here but hearing the recent recordings it seems to be very much like a composed kind of studio project uh, like you're taking advantage of that very much on these releases has that yeah it's really studio-y uh, for sure I mean the uh, there's like I've done like a few um, there's been like a few practice shows with it and that has been like a guitar duet with uh, my friend uh, Nori Kikuta who's uh, an, uh, an old dear friend from college and fabulous guitar player um, very jazz focused um, not strictly jazz you know none of us are like strictly anything but um, but jazz is a big component of his background and uh, he's a really good person for this for this project too because um, you know one of the challenges that that uh, all I feel like all guitar players face or at least all like um, like rock and jazz focused uh, guitar players is um, uh, we just play so goddamn many notes um, like you just like put a guitar in front of us and we'll just be like blah 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 and uh, you know I'm I'm as bad at this as as anyone um, and 
it's it's a it's a really easy thing to to see you know take a guitarist and try and have a conversation with them and and then um put a guitar in their lap and then try and continue that conversation and you'll you know you'll get about yeah 40% less of their attention <laughs> um and it might be peppered by like by like oh hey look at this or oh hey check that out or whatever maybe that's just me i don't know but no, I've, I've witnessed this in the wild as well <laughs> yeah so nori's a really good person for this project because he is uh really adept at playing like three notes per minute or something you know a lot of the a lot of them the material that we've been working on has been um basically just a live arrangement of that cassette else um for two guitars and uh so a lot of the directions have been like have been like okay play this melody really really slow uh for like five minutes or whatever while I do this other thing really really slow for five minutes and yeah he's been really he's been really good for that I'm we're gonna do a an east coast tour on this material sometime in February um which I kind of need to get my act together with that um but that is in the process of getting booked right now uh nothing too big week or two something like that so are the studio elements of these newer things, is that going to factor into the live performance, or are you going to focus more on the guitar studies, the duet approach? Yeah, I mean, um, they're pretty close. They're pretty close to each other, I feel like. Um, there's some, like, there's some tracks that have a lot of studio embellishment um, that are, like, very manicured, put-together pieces, like that 7-inch. I uh, did a 7-inch recently that was very... Um, that would be very hard to translate into into a live context without um, being accompanied by just straight recordings. Yeah, I guess I am kind of thinking of that 7-inch plus the new COD data. Am I saying that right? Oh, COD data or whatever, yeah, that is the... It's funny, like, like that stuff started as being a little bit more easily translatable to a live context. It actually started for... I was playing um, David Grohlman's 50th birthday party and uh, it was like the theme of it was... Um, really, really short sets. He he uh, he really likes short short pieces, and uh, so I put together this like little five minute thing, um, just an instrumental piece. And uh, so Caudata is um, Caudata. Uh, shit, I should learn how to pronounce that before I put it out. <laughs> um, it's the scientific term for uh, for um, salamanders, basically. That really started as. Um, started as like a live piece and kind of became more embellished uh, as I as I pay more attention to it um, in a studio context so yes some of the studio stuff doesn't work doesn't work live but um, that's something that I really want to tackle in 2016 is getting the performative stuff up to up to snuff and like making hey exit a a thing that you can really watch and a thing that is um that just like has a performative component other than just me sitting there staring at my shoes and playing this like uh loud quiet kind of ambient noise music stuff <laughs> materially how has that changed the live uh, basically it sounds like the newer setup for you is more is more focused on the guitar uh, rather than strapping out some more electronics or yeah definitely um i've been playing baritone guitar for the past like year or something um and that's been really great i haven't looked back uh since i got it i picked one up um i was in portland almost a year ago and uh, was looking around for one 
um, just before you and Andrew and I did those sessions in Santa Cruz. That was the one that I that was the one that I had there. So I'm still playing that, uh, which I feel a little bad neglecting my my other guitar, but um, but whatever. It's not going anywhere. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, basically at this point, I'm just playing playing baritone guitar into uh, into a few pedals and and then out into the speakers. Uh, prefer bass amps at this point. Bass amps are, um, uh, I don't know, they're just really nice. And, and I'm kind of going for more of like a low, rumbly sound at this point. Yeah, I don't know, the setup's pretty simple at this point, which is, uh, which is kind of nice, especially because I'm about to do this train tour. <laughs> so, so the setup better be pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, although I gotta say, lugging a bass amp on tour, that's, uh, that's... Yeah, no, fuck that, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, no, this tour is probably gonna be um, just going out of the PA or, or, or whatever happens to be at the venue. I wanted to dial back to the process for that 7-inch. Uh, can you tell me more about how that came together? Yeah, it was, um, it was a really collage kind of approach which is definitely something that I inherited from like working in in um, like noise and experimental music. So the pieces have a kind of like ebb and 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 flow about them. It's it's definitely like about um, momentum as opposed to being about stasis. But with both of the pieces, there's there's definitely like more than one. There's a, there's definitely like a two or three kind of hills throughout throughout them. As far as like what it looks like, like me putting them together. I mean, you know, it's just me playing guitar in, in my bedroom here. Um, there's some acoustic stuff. There's some electric stuff. Um, the B side started as an improv thing and collaged it from that. I think the A side started off as just a couple melodies. And I mean, a lot of the process of, or a lot of the compositional process was just straight intuitive. It wasn't really, um, uh, it wasn't really like formally thought out or anything. It was just kind of like, uh, like, okay, now I'll do this, now I'll do this, now I'll do this. Yeah, do you find you kind of through compose in the studio? I feel like, uh, at least on a timeline, you know what I mean? Like if you're working at a dog. I guess so. I think of, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think of through composition as like, a, as like a, a, a thing you do on staff paper. Like you sit down at the, like you sit down with the staff paper and you basically like improvise with the pen. And you go like, it's going to go like this and this and this and this and this. Right. Yeah, I mean, right, like the traditional, you know, if you're talking old dead guys, that's definitely... Uh, <laughs> that's definitely... <laughs> old dead guys, yeah. Uh, that's um, definitely the jam there. But no, I just mean, like, you know, working from start to finish on a piece rather than uh, having some pre-compositional work or working on a song. Um, like the structure first before you lay down the details oh, of it. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, um, yeah, working from beginning to end. That tends to be my... I feel like the DAW lends itself to that way of working. Um, just curious if you find that to be the case too. Kind of, sorta. I mean, um, definitely. Like, very little of the piece is present in my head before I, um, I'll re like record an idea and then maybe loop that idea and play against it for a while, or, or you know, something like that. It's so it's a really like a, just like growing a growing a piece from like a little kernel of of, uh, of an idea kind of process um so it doesn't it doesn't happen like uh it doesn't happen like start to finish um temporally like intro to outro uh but but it does happen start to finish like idea to finished product um so in that way yeah
We haven't really talked about your vocal work at all. Uh, and I feel like even during the percussive guitar stuff, I feel like you're using your voice a lot. Like sometimes like it's amplified, sometimes it Yeah, you know, it's funny, like voice and drums have always been the two instruments that I've taken the most, that I've taken to um, the most like readily and, and easily. Uh, which is funny, um, given that I got kind of caught up in all these string instruments. Uh, yeah, voice has always been really, really important to me. Um, I almost went into uh, Berkeley College as a, a um, as a vocal major, and um, my friends uh, who were had some friends who were already there. And they were like, no, 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 do guitar. And I was like, okay. And I didn't play guitar for shit at that point. You know, I was just playing power chords in punk bands and uh, making noise and stuff. So um, it was really like a fake it till you make it. I had this really like lopsided skill set at that point because I could count really, really well. And I was like, I was listening to all this prog rock and stuff and um, had this really strong rhythmic sense and uh, could play in all these like weird odd times and all these, um, play all these weird polyrhythms and stuff. Um, but uh, asked me to play a blues, and I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I knew like two chords or something. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, you asked about the vocal stuff. Yeah, um, I used to, um, I used to scream real, real loud in 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 bands, and um, that was always that was always a lot, a lot of fun. One of my favorite feelings uh, to have after after playing music is having is uh, having lost my voice. You know, just that kind of like spent energy of like, ah, okay, we did it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, fast forward to the experimental stuff, and um, it's kind of always been a lot of like of like long tone, screamy again, screamy kind of stuff. Um, I did take vocal lessons for a couple years and. Uh, got to be pretty all right at at singing notes and you know was, uh, for that stuff I was practicing songs and I'd um, kind of gotten up to the point where I was uh, I think like the last songs that I was practicing were like like Al Green and Stevie Wonder and and stuff like that yeah in the live stuff of yours that I've seen where you featured voice I feel like you tend to use voice in the same way that you use uh, electronics and feedback and, and amplification sort of um, it's part of the sound mass that you're putting together. It's never like, here, I'm singing, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely um, like an instrumental approach to voice. I mean, at the same time, voice just has this other quality about it. Um, it just kind of, voice, I feel like, will always command um, the audience's attention and always kind of like grab the audience's attention just um, it's just this biological thing. It's just like uh, somebody, somebody doing a voice thing. I was playing this party the other day and was doing was doing some of that like long tone screechy stuff. And uh, it started off really quiet. And someone came up to me afterwards and they were saying like they were they had their eyes closed for that for that set. And there was uh, there was some noise and they were like, "What's that sound? It sounds like a tea kettle or something." And like and uh, like what what is what is that and then and then they open their eyes and they're like oh person human wow <laughs> and that was a that was a cool feeling um yeah i don't know i don't really um i haven't in the past really liked to amplify my voice in that context partially as uh maybe it's like a macho thing i don't know i just i like the challenge of 
um, over of kind of like overpowering the the amplified music um, with with my unamplified voice. It's also partially just like keeping it in shape and like I don't know, like proving to myself that I can still do it. I guess I don't know. Like it was it was a little bit easier to do that screamy stuff when I was 16. I'm 32 now, but. It's not, it's not a whole lot different. It's still, I lose my voice a little bit more readily now, but that's also because I don't keep it up as much as I did when I was playing in dance, so. Isn't there some kind of book about how to scream in a way that won't damage your voice? technique book you know there's th yeah there's been a there's been a couple people that have done like dvds and stuff i feel like i, I feel like bottom line you can get like 80 85 percent of the way to that sound without doing a thing that will uh damage your voice if it's done night after night after night um but uh guys just not it's just not all the way there you know it's like uh, uh i mean decaf tastes like coffee you know, but it doesn't, <laughs> it's just not the same. Um, for just a really, really short minute, I was uh, taking music lessons uh, over in Flushing in Queens um, in this like Korean uh, vocal tradition called Pansori, which is, um, it's like long form singing with accompaniment. And um, the songs themselves, like the compositions are like hours and like hours long. Um, but when you give a performance, usually in, 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 a, in a modern context, um, you just play like little pieces of the songs with like movements. I think that it's like a closed tradition at this point in that no one is writing new music for it. But anyway, um, the, the, the vocal style in that music is um, you're supposed to do the thing that damages your voice. You're supposed to, um, uh, it's like part of uh, good technique to have that like there's like a flutter that happens you hear it in some um you hear it in some uh metal singers uh that there's like a flutter that happens that like uh if you were to notate it it would it would kind of um evoke like the harmonic series a little bit like that that vocal effect is uh um part of the sound that you want to achieve in in that music at least that's my understanding of, of it since uh, 2009 or something um, yeah it's kind of just um, I mean you know like the current um, the current landscape kind of everyone has their own uh, um, everyone in underground music a lot of people in underground music have their own little tape labels and stuff and this one's mine and, and um, yeah you know which I kind of wonder like I kind of wonder at what point um, it would be nice to have like some kind of like media co-op or, or, or have some kind of like joint label thing but i feel like everyone's got like such a such a specific vision at this point um that that is uh 
a little harder to harder to accomplish. But yeah, of plants, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's about I think it's like 15 releases deep at this point, and um, I have to update the website and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's another thing in 2016 that that I would like to get a little bit more um, coherent and a little bit more uh, focused. That that project kind of took a dip at the same time as uh, at the same time as the Hey Exit project did. So um, it's kind of just getting just starting to get moving again. Well, so what's next for you as far as Hey Exit goes? You sent me two excellent full lengths. Uh, are those projects you're finishing up right now? Yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah, there's Slow Names Four, the fourth in that in that series, which is um, uh, it's like a basically like an acoustic improv um, kind of thing uh, with with some more, with a lot more studio treatments this time around, um, and uh, then there's a uh, Caudata, which is kind of a I don't know spiritual successor to um, to Anura. Uh, which came out on Lurker Bias in Chicago earlier this year. Right now, my focus is um, like harnessing and, and collecting all this like disparate material and and trying to find a way to fit it together and make it work as a coherent whole, um, rather than like rather than like two or three different series. Uh, and that's kind of one of my goals in in this next year. Is to um, to get that together as like a unified uh, kind of merging the slow name series with this other thread of releases. Yeah, yeah, and um, and also I've been singing more. I've been writing lyrics and um, trying to get trying to incorporate that component into it a little bit more, and just like get a little bit closer to get a little bit closer to songwriting, basically. That's cool. Yeah. Well, sweet man, thanks for chatting with me and getting into it, uh, talking shop. Yeah, thanks so much for um, for having me. Yeah, it's been uh, yeah, it's been really cool. All right, well, I'll talk to you soon. Cool, man. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you. 